We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. <sighs> Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price nine ninety nine ninety nine. 0% APR while supplies last. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 152, a mental opinion brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton, joined by my friend Frances Tomas, and today we have the challenge of talking the ever-changing transfer rumors. Frances, I'm going to ask how you're doing, but I don't want to run out of time in the show because by the time you open your mouth, there's going to be 900 tweets about the futures of Coutinho and Neymar. Things are ever-changing, Frances. It's a hectic pace. It really is, but you know, it's like this every summer. Um, I think the names change, but the drama and the transfer sort of new pa- newspaper selling dilemmas that, that pop up every summer are the same. So we're just trying to break everything down. And, you know, by the time you listen to the show, things may have changed. But, hey, we're here to give our opinions. 
Yeah, it's funny for those who've been listening for the last few weeks, uh, you can see even on social media that uh, Frances and I do have a different voice because Frances is much, much more tolerant uh, of all the drama and all the things going on uh, in the rumor mill than I am. I, I am much more uh, keep my head in the sand like an ostrich and just worry about those preseason matches. So we're going to try, and I'm going to try my best, uh, again, leaning on Frances on this one because today's La Grande Pagunta. Again, this one is changing by the minute, by the hour, so I'm going to hopefully have this one out in a few hours. So if, you, if you're listening to it at the moment, Coutinho probably still hasn't been moved, but La Grande Pregunta today, will Coutinho be loaned or sold? Which uh, we actually haven't talked about yet. We just talked about him getting out of the club. But today, uh, I really want to harp on uh, whether or not uh, what a loan could mean for him and what being sold could mean for him and the likelihood of both of those things happening because obviously the English Premier League transfer window is already closed. So uh, a huge avenue for most of the clubs in the world with money is now gone. So if Coutinho is to leave, whether on loan, where a team would most likely have to pay his salary or wages, or Barcelona would still have to pay the majority of his wages and loans, or he sold for what Barcelona wants between, I guess, 80 and 120 million, but there's only one or two clubs in the world at the moment that can still afford that, I'd say, left in the transfer window after the uh, EPL window closed. So it's a, it's a tough thing to ask, Frances. And let's just get your knee-jerk reaction on this one. Well, for me, Coutinho has unfortunately not succeeded at Barca. I think that's pretty clear. Um, not just the fact that he hasn't really fully adapted to the system, but the fact that he hasn't handled the pressure and the situation and the fact that he was playing alongside very, very important stars. Of course, he was doing that at Liverpool as well, but I think when you're playing alongside Messi, Suarez, and under the eyes of the Camnol, week in, week out, also what it means in terms of Marca, Sport, Mundo Deportivo, and all the press in, in Spain, uh, all the different TV channels, he, he just hasn't, hasn't cut it. You, know? um, you can argue that he was never played in his ideal position, um, because when he was signed, he was always going to be as a replacement for Iniesta, as an interior midfielder, normally on the left. But that really hasn't happened very often, or not as often as I'm sure he would have liked. But, you know, he needs to play what the manager tells him to play. And when you are the most expensive signing in the club, which let's not forget that is still the case, um, you need to perform from, from day one, you know. And the pressure, had he been promoted from La Masia, would have been different. Um, I think the, the fan base would have been a bit more forgiven. But when you're coming as a superstar, you need to be performing. And he just has not done that. You know, he's scored several goals. Some of them has been spectacular. But the return for the investment, it just hasn't been there. So for me, the most important thing is to get Coutinho what he deserves. And at this moment in time, what he deserves is to be somewhere else. Um, we don't necessarily need to free up a spot to bring Neymar. But in terms of wage, I think it is essential that Coutinho's wage goes. Um, as you mentioned, Dan, you're totally right. I think PSG, Bayern Munich, and maybe Juventus or someone in the in this area are the only likely destinations that Coutinho has now left. Um, I think Man United or Tottenham would have been great for him, even going back to Liverpool. But, you know, we can't really turn the past and, and, and change what happened. So let's just forget about that. Let's look forward and um, let's just trust this board, which, you know, regular listeners know I'm not the biggest fan, but, you know, that's, that's, all, we, that's all we can trust. So let's trust the current board can sort this one out and get Coutinho out so we can first free up a spot for Neymar if he wants it. And if he doesn't do that, 
then free up more time for Dembele, Griezmann, etc. I want to talk, uh, give a little bit of pushback on the Coutinho stuff. Uh, and we, we talk about, you know, Liverpool and potentially going back to uh, Liverpool for Coutinho. And part of my uh, a counter argument I heard to that was the fact that Liverpool have now made the last two Champions League finals. And so why would, if you're the, the Champions League uh, trophy winner or defending champion, why would you want a guy who two seasons ago, after leaving your club uh, in 22 matches, scored 10 goals, six assists, so not too bad in a, a, the first spring in a new club, a difficult club to adapt to as Barcelona is, as we know. And then last season, in 54 matches, 11 goals and five assists. Obviously, that's not going to cut it. And we talk about how he doesn't integrate on the field, and it just looks like the ball stops with him, and he takes too many long shots, and it, things just look disorganized, and he doesn't fit. That's all the eye test, but even just simple production, it, it's just not working. Uh, it, it's, again, both the X and O's and the, uh, the, the eye test that Coutinho just doesn't make sense of Barcelona. So, yes, you have to get him out. Unfortunately, that means that Barcelona have lost all leverage. And I want to talk about, again, these are ever-changing, but I want to talk about the, the Bayern news at the moment. I think James Rodriguez, as we've seen at Bayern recently, would be the model where Bayern would pay his salary and then have him on loan with an option to buy. The downside here is not only can Bayern just send him back and Barcelona have to worry about this all over again, but Barcelona may have an even harder time selling him, just like Real Madrid are having now with James and technically Bale too. And as you mentioned, it's a good point where Juventus, I think Paulo Dybala could be one of these dominoes. But then when we talk about Bale, James Rodriguez, Dybala, Coutinho, it's guys that aren't really fitting at those major clubs. And unless it's, and I, well, I guess you say Neymar too, but it would basically just be a merry-go-round where all those players basically move one seat to the, or that's more musical chairs, where they all move one seat to the right, and then that's how everybody lands, right? Because there's no way that those players on those wages can be afforded again by any other clubs other than the, the big ones that we're currently talking about. And I, I think the final point to this is because Barcelona may be losing leverage, uh, I, I think I want to be very clear that it's not Bayern who probably picked up the phone to Barcelona. It's Barcelona who have to pick up the phone for trying to offload Coutinho because even though Bayern may not want him, they will look at that situation because you know you then have to do the research into the other club that we're talking about in potential negotiations that Bayern wanted Leroy Sané. I know they're paying coy about that, but if he doesn't uh, get hurt against Liverpool, then Leroy Sané is basically the guy to go on the wing and they clearly wanted a top talent on the wing. And it appears that they could still be looking to strengthen that after losing Frank Ribery and Arjen Robin finally after all these years, and then having often injured Kinsley Coleman and Serge Gnabry as the main options. Now, T Thomas Muller, who, as we know, doesn't really play on the wing. He plays uh, much more in a fluid role. Um, the, the, the German word they always use escapes me at the moment. Um, but, you know, he was there in the German Super Cup against Dortmund, where Bayern Munich uh, did not look their sharpest, and Dortmund wound up uh, winning that in the, the German Super Cup. And then they could also be relying heavily on teenage Canadian Alfonso Davies, who just in his, uh, I guess, technically second season at the club, but basically one plus. Uh, so they are still looking at the wing. And so I think there is something to be said here about Coutinho on loan filling a need. But as I said, then in the future, it creates more problems for Barcelona when they have to try to look to resell him later on. Uh, and then Bayern could just do the same thing they do with James, where they just give him right back, and then we've got the same problem uh, if he also fails to assimilate at Bayern Munich, that really takes his whole transfer value down uh, a good margin. But then maybe Barcelona can take a loss on him, and then you're talking about the 
the, the, the standard of club, like an Inter Milan or, or an Everton or a uh, AC Milan. And now you're talking in the range of 50 or 60 million. Uh, and, but my question then, Frances, for you would be, would, buy, would Barcelona rather swallow their pride and, and take a lower amount knowing that they've lost leverage in negotiations? I think they're going to lose money regardless because no one in their right mind would pay what we paid for Coutinho well, of course, a, couple of, I, I just a mean, couple of seasons ago. But even so, 80 or 90 million, I mean. I mean, how much of a loss, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. Like, obviously not 120, but how much? Well, I think there's two ways to look about this. See, if you keep him in the squad, uh, and we can just go back to the preseason games, um, where in the pecking order is he? He's probably fifth or sixth as, as a forward. Um, yep. He's not going to be a striker, but as a winger, he's probably third or fourth. If Neymar does come, which I know this is controversial, but I've got high hopes that he will come back. So then he's going to go another step down. Um, in terms of midfield, you've got, I don't know, you've got Puch, Alanya, but then you've got obviously the most established players such as Rakitic. You've got Rafinha as well, who could be staying in the end if his deal to Valencia is not finalised. You've got Vidal, you've got Rakitic, you've got all sorts of players, Arthur, all sorts of players that really need their minutes to grow. And regardless of who you've got in the squad, the most important person in it is the manager. And the manager has clearly decided that Coutinho is not his first choice up front uh, or in his top five choices. He wouldn't be in midfield as well. So then you just have to you just have to take a loss. Uh, and you have to take a loss because... This is someone who is supremely expensive, not just because of the money of the transfer, because that money, in a way, is gone already, is his wage, you know, and you need to alleviate that in order to in order to free up space to make the Neymar thing happen. And if it just doesn't happen, then fair enough, we just continue moving forward. But Coutinho, given his attitude, given his well, lack of attitude, given the, 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 the very weak um, eagerness to improve that he has chosen and to adapt to his to his surroundings, I think needs to go. Um, and the board just need to explore all options and go for the best possible deal. If he if he means selling him by 50, 60 million, then then so be it. You know because he's not going to get better. Definitely a Barca he won't. Um, if he goes into a, another team, which is the main protagonist, that the, the game flows through him, and you know he's in a way away from the Barca intense spotlight, then he may sort of flourish again and maybe the player that we signed or you know was impressing at Liverpool. But at Barca, alongside Messi, alongside Suarez, alongside over our superstars, it's just not happening for him. I think he knows that as well. And the only way forward is to cut our losses and, and offload them. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see how, uh, even in preseason, uh, the one substitute appearance he made against Napoli, where clearly they were bringing him back solely after Copa America, he did excel with Brazil as an attacking midfielder in front of Arthur. Uh, and then in the preseason game, we saw that he played more centrally. He did play at an attacking midfield spot where he had played at Liverpool as well, not all the way out on the left wing or uh, not even as an interior, but he played as an attacking uh, number 10 midfielder, which, uh, you know, I guess that's what you would call Messi, but Barcelona don't really have that position, uh, and they don't really utilize uh, that that position, like the Raquel May position, if you will. Uh, that's really the closest thing we've seen at Barcelona to a you know a, a number ten role. Uh, so Coutinho, just again, he, his best position is not a position that Barcelona has to offer him uh, in in almost any situation because of the attacking options and the midfield options they have. They're traditional players in those positions, uh, and again, the other guy that would play in that role. Is Lionel Messi, and so he's there, and it, the the incumbent there, uh, and now Griezmann can, in theory, kind of play that as well. Uh, so I think that even on that depth chart of a fictional position we're making up, Coutinho is still third on that depth chart. 
uh, which is which is again that tells you all you need to know. Uh, now, fantastic! I think you hit on enough points for us to uh, move into La Ronda, where we have questions um, from uh, a number of different sources today. We've even got one from one of our Patreons, which we'll get to in a second. But okay, Frances, I, I think I, it's been a while since you gave one of your drum rolls. Do, can I have a drum roll, please? <laughs> All right, Frances, it's finally time. Uh, I, I know that that phrase about rumbling is copyrighted for boxing, so I'm, I can't say that because it's copyrighted, but you get the idea. Frances, you are pro Neymar returning to Barcelona. As people have been hear- hearing for weeks and weeks, I am very opposed to the move, uh, and I think it's time you and I finally talk about it. Frances, are you ready? Unfortunately, we don't have a therapist or a, a third party, like a marriage counselor uh, here with us, but I think we're going to be okay, right? Well, unfortunately, we've got each other. So, <laughs> All right, here we go. The question that it, it, we're getting is from Jawid, and that is, what about Neymar? Would he finally come to Barcelona or not? Now, practically speaking, my uh, thinking against it is that, well, there's also news, and obviously it sells paper to say Neymar could go to Barcelona, Real Madrid, or it's a tug of war between the, 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 the two giants. But at the moment, Neymar can't afford him. I mean, that's just FFP, even though FFP is kind of a joke because you just throw money at them and they forget about it. Um, but I, I think... It would have to be with a swap of Bale and James or Isco, uh, which I think would all be good players for, for PSG. I don't think PSG loses too much on that. And Barcelona would need to give up players that they actually want and are, are encumbered into the squad, as opposed to guys who are want away at Real Madrid. And the other thing, like we talked about the, the lack of leverage that Barcelona has with Coutinho. PSG have I mean, almost no leverage anymore uh, with Neymar. But that's a player they're still asking for $200 million for. Uh, it's just the numbers here are, are what's boggling. Uh, obviously, to sell papers, you don't have to use a calculator. But I don't understand how uh, numerically everything works unless, again, this is my big argument, unless Barcelona says, sure, and that's under the assumption that, again, Barcelona have any leverage in getting rid of Coutinho. And, that would again, it's just who's lost more leverage, Barcelona, Coutinho, or PSG with Neymar. I think it's Neymar, but uh, they could also still refuse Coutinho. That said, I think it's a pipe dream to think that uh, that PSG are going to say, oh, yeah, sure, we'll take Rakitic off your hands. No, they're going to come for Dembele. They're going to come for maybe Umtiti uh, or Semedo. Or, uh, again, they're going to be coming for other players uh, that Barcelona also value and are part of their club. Now, for me, it's almost a a math equation that I would rather have eight years of Dembele and three years of Messi working along one side, uh, uh, one year of Luis Suarez and six years of Antoine Griezmann with that being, uh, you know, because again, I think even with Suarez being slowly faded out over the next year or two, then you still have an attacking trio of Griezmann at, at that number nine and Messi and Dembele. And you have that for at least two or three more years. Again, it's all dependent on Messi, but it seems like, again, he seems to be uh, capable of playing two or three more years. Uh, and then again, I would hope, and this is me just being, I mean, it's funny, Francis, I get accused of being a, a Cruyffist. I get accused of being just a pragmatist who doesn't care about uh, about uh, any of those ideas. I get accused, and that's, that's what being a Paco is, right? We get accused of, of being pro Valverde, but then anti the club because uh, when we trash Valverde and all these different things. So I, I think my stance on that is that I would trust, though, in the production of Alvaro Ruiz and and the likes of, of Ansu Fati, who, while he is only 16, I'm not anointing him the future of the club. I'm saying that just having a 16-year-old, even if it's not Ansu Fati, whoever, having a 16-year-old at the club 
if Messi survives again three, four more years, and Griezmann is is five, six years, then then Ansu Fati is twenty, twenty one years old, and then Dembele and Griezmann are the big two attack force, and then you're slowly integrating more. Again, at that time, Al Ruiz is now we're talking uh, twenty three years old, twenty four years old, uh, and again, Barcelona will also most likely have funds to go out and, and get another big name. I just think Neymar made sense when he came to the club the first time from Santos, but. I, it's not just Dembele for Neymar. It's that Neymar coming, even if it's not Dembele getting sent to PSG, it's it's the end of Dembele at, at, at Barcelona. I don't see any other way that doesn't happen just because of what that means on the wing. So that also goes to uh, Gurdip's question, and you can help me with this. Where would Neymar fit? The answer is he's going to fit on the left wing. It's where does everyone else fit around him? And at this point, if Barcelona get him, I think they're just saying, who cares where the rest of you fit? We got the guy we wanted. We got the Brazilian marketing ploy. We're going to get a lot of money on shirt sales. We're really happy about that. And I think I'm just, have I become a cynic over the summer with all these transfer rumors? Francis, maybe that's really the question I have for you. <laughs> well, probably you just got tired of all the all the rumors going back and forth. Um, for me, I think everything that you have said can happen. Um, but obviously, the share of minutes for Neymar, if he is signed, uh, will have to will have to come off some of the players you mentioned. Especially, I would say Dembélé's game will be affected. But for me, the question is is clearer than all that: is who would Messi rather have in the Champions League semi-finals alongside? You know, last year, Dembélé, if he had scored the fourth goal at the Camp Nou, Liverpool don't win the Champions League. We're in the final, and then we have to play Tottenham, and I think we would have beaten them. Um, two years ago, would, had Neymar been in the team, then things could have been different. I think it all comes down to that. Um, the, the clock is ticking. As you have mentioned uh, throughout the show, Messi doesn't have many years left. Um, I think we're being optimistic, saying there's three and four. I think it's more than two or even three. And I would rather have Messi with the players he wants around. I think he does trust, obviously, Suarez. He's constantly looking for him. He does trust Jordi Alba. And he has absolute trust on Neymar as well. And it's fairly clear that Messi would be a much more comfortable captain for us had Neymar been alongside him. Um, we have got, over the last two years, we have become much more dependent on Messi. And a lot of goals have just come from him. Um, Suarez, everyone seems to try and bury him um, because, you know, people get tired of strikers. I think it's happened to, with Benzema and Madrid. But obviously, Luis Suarez is 97 million times the player that Benzema is. But... Suarez is going to get his fair share of goals. It's clear that Messi will get his as well. Then Griezmann may add some. Dembélé may add some, but not that many. I think if you add Neymar to the mix, you've got guaranteed 20 to 25 goals in there. And that can only help. Um, but I think it all comes down to La Liga. All right? So in La Liga, we've got a squad that is, in my eyes, much more powerful than it has been for the last five, six years. Um, obviously, when Luis Enrique won the Champions League, you had the MSN up front, everyone at the peak. No, I'm not going to say easy peasy, but you know they, they did sort out a lot of games. Um, obviously, they're a little bit older now, but the thing is, the squad around has been re-strengthened. Um, every single position has two or even three players that could be perfect starters. So I don't think our fight is going to be winning La Liga. Um, and you may roll this clip back in seven, eight, <laughs> seven or eight months' time and say, Frances, you were so wrong. But I think that with the squad we have, we should be winning La Liga, um, not without sacrifice, not without worries, not without ups and downs, but I think that that's a given. And then it's all about who, which is starting 11, who are your 11 heroes that are going to win that crucial game away at Man United, Chelsea, Juventus, who, who are those going to be? And Messi will play, 
then who will Messi want? He will want Suarez and he will want Neymar. If you can have Griezmann coming off the bench at some stage to grab a couple of goals, great. Dembélé to add the speed, fantastic. But I think it all comes down to saying the the, the first starting eleven, and I and I do get the depth bit, but for the crucial matches in the final third of the season, what you want is starting eleven players that can unbalance games, and Neymar is one of them. And out of the five six players you mentioned earlier with James, Bale, etc., I think Neymar is you know head and shoulders above those that you mentioned in terms of production. Obviously, PSG was not a great uh, move for him. Um, socially, in terms of he, he was a clown when he left Barca, the way he did it. But if you think about his history, he's done it throughout. He did it to Santos and he's doing it to PSG as well. Um, of course, that goes back to the values. And I've said in the podcast many times, Mesco Club, etc. But the thing is, if he was really, if he had been down to me, I wouldn't assign Griezmann. But now the club has already signed Griezmann and Mescun Club is already sort of being put to the side. Then you may as well get the best player in the market to our club, and that's Neymar. So that's it in a nutshell for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I see all the arguments as well because of the quality of play that Neymar is capable of being. Uh, I, again, I use that with the backdrop of we also talk about the player that Nebele could be as well with many more years because since Neymar left Barcelona, for as much as his numerical production is, he's been awfully injured as well and... and he hasn't actually been in a big game since he left Barcelona because of his injuries and the way that the Bar- uh, that PSG rather have have crashed out of the Champions Leagues. That you know Neymar hasn't actually been in the big moment you're, you're discussing since he left. And so I I don't I think the where where you where the poll you that you get me on comes is that it's the guy that Messi wants and uh, but uh, then I actually have to almost give pushback on that in that how much are we willing to continue to like what if it is uh, Messi who says you know to the board and every which I don't believe he does like I I don't actually believe that Messi actually has a LeBron James-esque again this isn't verified either but you know I am going to attack your Lakers Francis and saying that you know LeBron has (laughs) LeBron has always had more pull than we say he he does uh when it comes to uh you know he knows agents and he his it's it's not uh, a surprise when uh guys that share his agent or move to the agency that he also shares wind up coming to the the teams that he plays on but that said I don't think Messi even though he might have that same pull, I don't think he uses that pull. And, you know, that's my, my worry is that it's putting makeup on a pig that we paint over the, uh, the, the w- what all of that Neymar means. And I also understand the argument that you're saying that Mexican Club is, is, is already something that we put to bed, which, I, I, again, I don't think I can be that cynical. And I think that there, even if Griezmann was, again, against the mythos or the ethos or the pathos, I'm not sure which one it is, but uh, that we have to go... we. It is possible to go backwards and do that, and I think Messi's friendship with and, and and Suarez and their friendship with Neymar, I think, covers up again with the makeup on a pig, covers up, um, uh, you know, all the circus that maybe not he individually would bring, because yes, he might just assimilate right back into the the locker room and, and the friendships are, are holding still. But if Messi wants all of his, you know, now often injured friends who are over the or, or who are over the age of 27 28 or they're in their 30s uh th- that's going to i think put the the club on on a, on a crash course you know in the post messy years but that said yeah if, but, but, but then with that with that if Neymar gets injured you put Dembélé in or Griezmann but i don't you think Dembélé i don't think Dembélé can stay i think Dembélé is gone cuz i mean when it comes to wages when it comes to minutes and playing time if i'm Dembélé and i'm 22 years old 
there's no way I'm the fifth option. There's no way Usmani Dembele is going to sit on the bench as the fifth option. And again, with wages, I think Barcelona have to, it's going to have to, there's going to become a reckoning. And that might be January, that might be next summer. So yes, maybe maybe this season with Neymar winds up being the perfect campaign where you win the Champions League, you win everything because your squad is the deepest and best squad that's ever been assembled in terms of talent and an attacking force. But that said, there's going to come a point when there's just, there's just too many players. And that's what's happening in the midfield right now. There's just too many players. Yeah, which is why Coutinho should be the first one to go. If you free up the Coutinho wage, I think the Neymar wage is, does have a room and space in there. And in midfield, Rakitic, we've been saying forever he could leave, but I think he's one of Alberta's favourites. So I don't really see who goes in there beyond Vidal, and I don't think anyone really is going to pay big bucks for him. But going back to the Neymar thing, I think it is essential that we give Messi the best possible chance to, if he's got three years left, say, win three more Champions League. And I think with that... And with, with Valverde as well. If you give Valverde Neymar, I think he's an automatic starter. If he's fit, um, he's not the same with Dembélé. You know, I would say we keep Dembélé, we offload Coutinho. But if you give the manager who Neymar and you ask him who the best 11 are, Neymar is in it. So that's that's my reasoning for it. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, Neymar, I, I mean, I agree on that point that Neymar slots right in. Uh, then I said, I, th- I think it. I think that, that means that I, I think the future of Dembélé, because, I mean, at 22, he's going to need to play. And he's not going to be playing with Neymar and Messi and Suarez and Griezmann uh, for at least two years. So, I mean, I think that's, that puts a wrap on Dembele. So, I, I think that's what it is. I think we, I think you and I are just arguing, basically, the future of Dembele plus a bunch of other players uh, against what the next few seasons with Neymar would mean. Uh, and, and I think that's, it, we're basically, I, I think, shadowing the argument of just putting, a, putting the players that would perfectly a fit with Messi to win as much as we possibly can and then worry about the next era in the future when, to go back to the board here, when the board's time is up as well and Messi's time is up and all that works together, that Barca era is the next person's problem. It's like uh, it's like a politician where, you know, you're a lot of times politicians aren't motivated by long-term future because they might not be in office then. If things go wrong and they get voted out of office, well, I mean, they don't want to deal with ramifications of that. So they're going to make every decision to appease, you know, the present and make sure they, they stay in office, even if that hurts, hurts the future. So, wow, I, I don't know what somebody put in my cereal this morning, Frances. Uh, I, I don't eat cereal, but uh, <laughs> I, I think we should move on uh, to... We, a, we agree yeah. to disagree. Then. Yeah, yeah. We agree to <laughs> so, disagree. And we're going to see who's right in a few weeks. If Neymar is in the club or, or if he's not, then we'll see uh, who the majority of the board and who uh, some other people at the club might agree with. Now, we'll the, see. one thing we might agree on, though, is I think the uh, overt criticism of, of Valverde. Ali asks, why is Valverde still in charge as a manager? And as I said, in the last few weeks, I'm getting a lot of criticism about even defending Valverde. But, um, Frances, the problem with defending Valverde is that he's the manager of Barcelona. And I don't know how to get around that. Because when you talk about the manager of Barcelona, you have to say Valverde's name. I can't, I can't substitute. I can't. Maybe what I, I need to do, Frances, is call him Dr. Frankenstein or... Or just use a surname so that people don't know I'm talking about Valverde. And then uh, we, we just use a, you know, or we use a, a special nickname we come up with. But he's the manager of Barcelona. That's why he's in charge. This is his third season. And as I said, uh, you know, it's not just the Mourinho effect. A lot of guys wind up being there for three seasons. So I, I think win or lose, this might be Valverde's last in charge of Barcelona. And then it'll be time for a new era. And as we know, 
Uh, Xavi was not ready to go right from being a player to being a coach, but uh, a- a- while he is getting, uh, w- I don't know if he was officially ejected. You could tell me more about that uh, being Qatar yourself, but uh, Xavi is now on the coaching on the coaching trail, and we'll see how long it takes him to get there, and whether or not there's a guy in between him and Valverde. But we kind of know where this this story eventually winds up. It en- it ends up with Xavi Hernandez in charge of Barcelona. Uh, it's just whether or not Valverde is the only placekeeper, if you will. And again, Xavi's coaching career doesn't perfectly line up with Messi's career, uh, ter- uh, you know, as far as years. So we'll see how that pans out. But the reason why Valverde is still the manager is because they still have him in charge. And it seems like the players like him. And it seems like to me, which will also affect other questions here, he's willing to press a little more with the quality and the, and the, and the group he has. And if he's willing to adapt and to evolve, the one thing I almost want to, I'm almost yelling into the microphone, but I'm going to maybe I'll whisper it just so I don't get too excited, is that if he's willing to press with a younger squad, then that means he's willing to adapt and change. And the only thing we have to... I I mean, you and I have been very critical of Valverde in the past because he has done the same things. He's run tired legs into the ground. He hasn't rotated properly. And he's made mistakes that we think cost Barcelona dire Champions League ramifications. That may have been enough to be fired. We said that back in the spring, that he probably didn't deserve to keep his job. But he did. And if he's willing to adapt and change and use the squad he has to press a little more and attack teams and be more, um, not even attack-minded, but uh, just be uh, a little more forward thinking uh and more how do i say uh make barcelona look brave. a little more like barcelona brave yes make barcelona yeah. look more like the barcelona we think they should look and if he's willing to do that and adapt we as kool-aid have to give him the benefit of the doubt that he has learned from his mistakes he has added to the squad in ways that he wanted and that barcelona will look more like barcelona even if he's in charge yeah yeah agreed i think my brother is still the manager of Barca because he's a good coach he's a good coach who succeeds domestically and I think the, the board, what they're thinking is, and, and I know the players think this as well, that he would have learned from his mistakes. I mean, the first season when we lost to Roma, that was just because of really, I'm not going to say stupid, but really weak rotation. Um, pretty much everyone saw it coming and he just did not. And um, I think he learned from that mistake in the second season. The defeat in Liverpool, I, think, I still think it's inexplicable. Um, you've got different... Different ways to reason, of course, tire legs, etc. But, you know, at that point of the season, every team is the same. So I think it was just mentality and being able to convince the players that they had to go out and bite in and they had to be hungry, but they just were not. Um, because the difference between winning and losing at that stage last year was so little, I think the board have thought, OK, let's look at options, see who's out there. Let's see what the players think. And overall, the decision was to, to keep the manager. And all we can do now is... I'm not going to say support it blindly because, you know, everyone's got their own mind and we can just not do that. But we need to understand that right now all we can do is see see what happens, um, understand that the squad is the best squad we've had, I would say, in the last four or five years and keep pushing forward together. You know, that's we don't have any other options. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and so... And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. The next question we have is a little more difficult from Patreon Mike Crimmins, uh, who you actually heard on the Patreon special uh, two weeks ago. So, uh, Mike, uh, hello again. Thanks for coming on the show two weeks ago. And let's go with his question here. 
What player slash position slash area are you most concerned about for the season? Francesca, I'll let you go first. Difficult question. I would say right now the most concerned I am for is the wings. Uh, we've been discussing Coutinho, Neymar, um, Dembele, and I think I'm concerned there because we just don't know who's going to be the one that um, is going to have the most minutes. Um, beyond that, I think the centre-backs are solid. Um, I think Lenglet was great last season and Umtiti seems determined this preseason to step it up. Um, not bothered or concerned, rather, about the full-backs. I think they're both solid in terms of Semedo and Alba and their backups. We've got a million midfielders. Um, I think we'll, we'll be able to find three that do the job well, especially with the young there being the star of the show um, so far this year. So I think it's understanding who the winger will be, whether we get Neymar or not, and what the purpose will be. Because as much as we want Dembele to grow and develop, etc., his crossing, his finishing and his composure is it's just terrible at times. So he needs to grow up in there. Um, so, yeah, I think the wings for me. Yeah, well, I think as as I've been saying for the last few weeks and seeing the, I mean, the total squad that we have, again, every time I talk about the squad, I, again, I'm not even talking about Coutinho. And at some point, I'm probably always forgetting the likes of Vidal or, or one of the midfielders or uh, Sergio Roberto uh, in the midfield. But for me, uh, Mike had said that he is concerned about central defense. And I think a long-term injury to PK, even though I think Barcelona, Lenglet, and TT are good enough where you wouldn't have to worry about two left-footed center backs, Barcelona just doesn't usually play like that. They play a left-footed center back in the MTD, and they pair them with a, a PK or Tadibo who are right-footed. Um, but I am also willing to push Tadibo of what we've seen in preseason. It's so funny because we haven't seen too much of him. You know, how many how many Toulouse games did I see with him in? Well, he played 10, and I didn't obviously see any of those, um, even by accident. So I, I, I had never really seen him other than highlight things that were made on the internet and you can't trust those either because you know it's only the touches it's not how he reads a game and you can't really get the nuance of the performance that a, a particularly a center back might have um but yeah i think a long-term injury to pk would be the only worry in center defense uh that said i think it's not a player or position that i'm necessarily worried about it's i'm still in year three of Alverde going to be worried about the physical reliability and this is not against him again we have an, a squad that under luis enrique it's still basically the same guys. It's Busquets, it's Rakitic, it's Messi, it's Suarez, and they were amazing. I mean, they were the best squad, they were the best players in the world four or five years ago, and it's not that Messi still isn't the best player in the world because he is. Rakitic, Busquets are still some of the best midfielders in the world, and Suarez is still one of the top number nines when, uh, when, when he's in form and when he's trying. But that last point is the big one, that if, if Alvarez is going to shift a little more to a pressing system, which I think all Kool-Aid's kind of in different ways and words believe that he should. I'm worried about the likes of Luis Suarez, who in that first leg against Napoli, I was very critical of. I thought at when you are leading the press, your number nine may be the most important defender you have. And he just wasn't trying because he was preseason. He said, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to hang out, eat a donut, look to try to pop one in uh, while the rest of the team presses behind me. And that's frustrating. But then in the second leg, we saw what Suarez is when we all compliment him. And he was trying and he was leading the line. He was pressing hard. I'm not worried about Griezmann. He's, Again, under Diego Simeone, he did it, so he's willing to press hard. But when the likes of Suarez, and again, Messi works so hard offensively, what happens when Messi needs to press for 90 minutes 
for 55 games in a season. Uh, and then Busquets and Rakitic, who they do their work, they do their defensive due diligence, but they're also a step slower than they were five years ago. And then Vidal as well is a step slower. He's now, uh, again, he gets closer to his mid-30s every single year. And Alba, if he has run out for a long time, and let's say Valverde doesn't trust Junior Firpo, who, again, there's no guarantee that he will trust his backup, then Alba winds up playing a ton of games. And obviously in a pressing system, um, the, the ability of Alba and Semedo to get back and help defend uh, and cut off those counterattacks is very vital. So running Alba out for too many games as well is a worry. So when you talk about Suarez, Messi, Busquets, Rakitic, Vidal, Alba, and that core, I'm still going to be worried about the, the physical reliability to play those guys for 45 matches or 50 or 55 matches this season. Uh, and again, that goes back to putting in Alba Verde. But again, it might not be his fault if injuries happen. And then Alba Semedo goes down, that might expose the more inexperienced fullbacks in Furpo and uh and Musawage, who has not really looked that great in preseason. He looks fine. He looks fine enough to be a right-back backup, uh, shifting Roberto into the midfield, which is our next listener question. But, again, before that, I just wanted to, uh, I guess, yeah, Francis, do you have anything to add about, about the pressing system and worrying about the veterans? No, no, no. You've uh, covered that. Okay, so Matt Lane asked, do you think Sergio Roberto will regret moving to the midfield? No, I think Roberto has been trying for years to move into midfield. Um, we can't forget that growing up through La Masia, he was mainly playing in the Busquets role, sometimes as an interior midfielder as well, and never been a right back. Um, it, what happened out of necessity, especially after Dani Alves' departure, that he had to be there. And no, I think Roberto is a very good midfielder. I think, in a way, linked to the, the answer you just gave, Sergio Roberto is going to be a crucial part of the of the squad this year. I think Alanya has a fantastic, very important role to play as well. And if you want Rakitic Busquets, if, if you are Valverde, right, and you want Rakitic Busquets to be as fresh as they possibly can because they are in your first 11, let's just say that. I, they wouldn't be in mine, by the way, but they are in, in Valverde's clearly. Then you need to play Roberto a lot. You need to play Arthur a lot. You need to play... Um, Alanya a lot and give them a lot of minutes so that um, the preferred 11 are rested. I think the key is going to have, and I say this every season, having 15, 16, 17 starters who feel valuable and can actually challenge each other for a starting spot when it actually matters. So I think they, they've got a fantastic, very important role to play. And Sergio Roberto has always wanted to be a midfielder. Let's not forget he's played for Spain as an international there as well. Um, and throughout his whole career, through the under-16s, 14s, 17s, 19s, etc. So I really do hope that it does work out for him because success for Sergio Roberto is success for all of us. Yeah, I think back when he was a midfielder, again, it's been four seasons, really, since he made that switch. And that's a long time to go back to a highest level of Barcelona back into the midfield. But that said... His first issues back then, I, I think, not only was he behind Thiago Alcantara in, in the depth chart, uh, and, and those younger midfielder minutes would go to Thiago, but I think Roberto's biggest issue, to me at least, was a little bit of confidence. Uh, we knew he could make those forward and foraying runs, and obviously we remember the, 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 what happened with PSG, and he's become this folklore hero because of some of those late goals, but he does his normal we'll say nine to five job when he's not being a hero uh, is that he is a safe and assured midfielder um, who does move the ball well, who does just, again, he, he keeps the pace of a game and he is Lamazia trained and you can see that on the field. 
while it was a benefit, I think, for Alenia, Roberto, and De Jong to be the starting three midfielders, just because of the rotation that Valverde was using uh, in the preseason with the with the midfield, as well as Arthur and Vidal coming back so late from Copa America, Alenia, De Jong, and Roberto got the benefit of starting together in the final preseason game when Barcelona should be the closest that they are going to be to the regular season. But they were also by far the best midfield combination that we saw. And this goes back to the bravery point. And the final question I'm going to ask you, Francis, I'll, I'll give you a minute to start thinking about as I as I finish answering this one, is what is the starting 11 versus athletic? Uh, and so that's a question I'm about to ask you. But going back to the point of those three in the midfield against Napoli in the preseason, that they were so successful together, will Valverde have the bravery over the course of this season if he has the best three option that he had that worked well together and it all seemed to be clicking? Does he have the bravery to go with that when he's back against the wall? That's, I mean, that it's, it's such a big question about Valverde this season and the squad. That if Alenia working alongside De Young is what brings the best out of De Young and makes Carlos Alenia potentially more valuable on the field than the likes of Arter or Rakitic. And I, I'm not just saying Rakitic or Vidal. I'm not just saying the old heads. I'm saying Arter even. If Alenia becomes more valuable playing next to De Young and Roberto in the midfield, does Valverde have the bravery to do that when push comes to shove? Uh, that's an answer. I think it's no, but that is, again, a, a big thing that, I mean, if we were in Valverde's shoes, Francis, I think you and I would have trouble with that as well. But, I mean, the easiest question now he has to have, as he always says, he's going to take it, like every manager, they're going to take it one week at a time, and through the course of a season, rotation, injuries, form, all those things affect decision-making. So all I have to ask you, Frances, is not whether or not you would play Casalena in a big moment if you had to. Uh, that's a difficult question. Easy one for you, I guess it's easy, is what's the starting 11 versus Athletic? For, for me or for Valverde? Great question. Uh, I guess we'll say you, but then you can tell me what your gut says that Valverde right. is going to do. Okay, I'll give you both. For me, should be Testegen, then Semedo and Alba in the wings, in the middle, Piquet and Umtiti. Then for me, it's the young Alanya and Sergio Roberto, and up front, Messi, Suarez, and Griezmann. Valverde's 11 is different. I would say he's going to play Testegen. The um, Alba, Semedo, I would say probably Lengle and Piquet just to go for the pairing from last year. I think he plays Busquets and Rakitic. He plays the young on the other, on the other interior. And then he's going to play Messi, Suarez and Griezmann. Yeah, I mean, we're still, Messi looks like he's going to be ready for athletic, but I don't know if he starts because he didn't have a preseason. So I think either way, for both me and Valverde, I think he, he comes off the bench. Um but yeah, when it comes to Valverde's lineup, I agree. I think we're going to see Busquets and Rakitic because they didn't start in the last preseason game. They're two of the starters. Uh, Arter coming back from Copa America is is not the answer. So it's I guess it's going to be De Young. It'll be De Young, Rakitic, Busquets for Valverde, and then Griezmann, Suarez, Dembele up top, and then Semedo, Piquet. Yep, I mean that's the big one. The left the left center back spot. Uh, I guess it's probably going to go to Lengle, uh, and then Alba and Ter Stegen. So. I mean, to me, actually, it seems pretty simple what he's going to go with. Uh, but, again, then he's going to start Arturo Vidal, and then what do we know? And that's just <laughs> that's the way Valverde <laughs> works. That's the way it works. And, yep. uh, you know, this was a great show, Frances. Uh, and I, I think that even though things might change about Coutinho and Neymar, I think we really answered a lot of questions about the, the next few weeks. But you have to look forward to us back in your ears next week. So even though we seem to be so forward-thinking about the post-Messi era, uh, we will be back 
in your ears next week. So thanks so much for tuning in to the show. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. Find us on social media, on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 for me. We have a new Twitter avatar you saw for the season. Uh, I, I did. It might be a little corny, but, you know, hashtag new season, hashtag new us. Uh, and so we've got a new uh, beautiful yellow drop uh, backdrop that Frances made uh, to, to try to stand out for this new season uh, based on the alternate, I mean, the, uh, sorry, the road jerseys that Barcelona are wearing. We're also on Instagram at the Barcelona pod. Our closed Facebook group is tbpod.link backslash group, deeper dives, discussions, all that, you know, what's there. And the Patreon where I've been doing the quick take match reviews uh, since last December, uh, gotten to, I had preseason form to work out as well, but I'm back to doing the quick take uh, match reviews. And so those are always something that our Patreons have to look forward to. You can get in there to three dollars i'm not telling you to break the bank here i appreciate whatever you do and frances appreciates whatever you do but again you don't have to break the bank just two three dollars gets you uh all those match reviews that come out uh, a few hours after the matches or even right after it depends on on schedules but that's tbpod.link backslash patreon we're also on youtube now at the Warsaw on the podcast check out and hit that subscription button and depending on when you had this in your ears uh there is a new episode coming out in the next few days of basically profiling the new additions to the squad yes you know who Antoine Griezmann is and you remember him at Athletic uh Atletico but we're going to talk about uh him at Real Sociedad and where he was even before that De Young as well um we're going to learn how to say the Dutch club he played for before he went to Ajax and all those different things I would just want to give you a little teaser on that about the new additions to the first team uh, and where they were before they got to Barcelona so when you go to YouTube the Barcelona podcast check that out Hit the subscription button. That's what you need to do there. And of course, come back and listen to our show on whatever device you're listening to every single week. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza. Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.